With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 15. On today's Fancy Baseball in 15, we'll assess some big developments from the final weekend of the first half. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have That's not had uh, three cold brews yet. It works great in a fantasy. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Monday, July 12th, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. I'm Al Melchior. I am here with Derek Van Riper and DVR. Uh, it would you think be a nice time to kind of recap the first half, look back, look ahead. Uh, this is not the way we certainly wanted to start things off here, uh, talking about Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, sustaining a complete tear of the ACL in his right knee and set to undergo season-ending surgery. And so that just... Uh, Puts an end to his 2021 season. Yeah, really disappointing. Obviously, one of the game's biggest stars. And one of those things that I happened to be flying home from California when it happened. So the first thing I saw when I had my phone reconnect on the ground was a notification that he had suffered that injury. Hopefully, it's the kind of thing he can recover from and be back for the start of the 2022 season. Given the timing, he'll have a little less than nine months to make that happen. So uh, I know those recoveries are getting faster compared to how they were a few years ago, but uh, a huge loss for Atlanta. And they've they've just had a lot of things go in unexpected directions over the course of this season. I think they might be in a position where they're saying, this might not be our year. We're not going to go out and make a lot of moves at the deadline. We're going to see if the core we have can, can get us back into contention. But they don't look like they're going nearly as far in their current build as we would have thought you know, going into the season. Yeah, and it was a disappointing season even before this. And, and like you said, uh, already dealing with some big injuries and hopefully not one more, uh, but also some uh, some troubling news uh, coming out of Sunday's game in Miami that uh, Ian Anderson left his start with tightness in his right shoulder. He's going to get that checked out on Tuesday. So that's obviously something that we'll need to track over the break. Uh, but what's your assessment of Anderson's season so far? Anderson is tricky for me because I didn't expect him to be as good as he was last year. I thought maybe the ratios we're getting this year, a 356 ERA and a 125 whip, I thought that was more likely to be who he was. So in in a weird way, he's meeting my expectations, but he's also missing more bats than I expected. I thought the K rate was going to come down compared to where it was. I had a lot of his minor league stops. He was a strikeout printing guy at AAA. Last season, I think I had questions about the quality of his stuff being good enough to maintain that. I think he's done enough to answer those, uh, but this is a guy they really can't afford to go without either. They they don't have enough to go 
They don't have enough pitching to go far if they're missing Anderson for a prolonged stretch. I mean, Max Freed, Charlie Morton, and Drew Smiley, it's only three healthy starters going into the second half if Anderson requires an IL stint. And they don't have as much viable depth right now as you'd expect because of the Mike Soroka injury, because of the Waskari Noah injury, even Tucker Davidson. Like All of those guys they were going to rely on have just been slowly finding their way to the IL. Yeah, I mean, even somebody like Inoa that, uh, you know, I don't think any of us were really thinking that the Braves were going to count on this year, uh, you know, and, and so even he's out of the picture. So it's just a, a very tough situation for them uh, in terms of the rotation. And Padres, they've got a couple of uh, injury notes here. You Darvish going on the injured list over the weekend with back and hip tightness. That uh, move was backdated to uh, July 8th. So uh, maybe Darvish doesn't miss much time, but that's yet another thing to add to our list of things to pay attention to during the All-Star break. Ryan Weathers leaving his start against the Rockies on Sunday with an apparent right knee injury. So uh, some depth that looked like it was there for the Padres now suddenly uh, looking you know, rather thin. Uh, some Mariners notes, Cal Raleigh making his Major League debut on Sunday, going 0 for 4, two strikeouts against the Angels. So, Obviously, just cut him everywhere, right? <laughs> yeah, it's nice to get an addition to the catching pool, though, one that could actually make a pretty big impact. I'm curious to see how they split the time up between Raleigh and Luis Torrens because Torrens has actually been hitting the ball a lot better in recent weeks, enough to at least have a share of the playing times, so whether it's an even split or two-thirds, one-thirds favoring Cal Raleigh. That remains to be seen, but I'm definitely interested, at least in most two-catcher leagues. Well, obviously joking about cutting him, uh, but uh, yes, like you said, somebody who needs to be owned in all, all two catcher leagues. And Scott Service did say that Raleigh's going to play quite a bit. Torrens may be getting some time at DH and at first base. So uh, that's really encouraging for for both of those players. Uh, also, Yusei Kikuchi going on the COVID IL after developing symptoms needs two negative tests, already has had one. So looking like Yusei Kikuchi may not miss uh, much, if any time at all. The Phillies, uh, of course, they've got uh, a, a big COVID situation that they dealt with over the weekend. Uh, Alec Bohm testing positive. He's on the COVID IL along with Aaron Nola, Connor Brogdon, and Bailey Falter. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle leaving the Orioles game on Sunday after a hit-by-pitch to his left forearm. X-rays came back negative. Good news for Mountcastle. He could be back as soon as this Friday when the Orioles uh, restart their season. Uh, Red Sox giving Matt Barnes a two-year extension for $18.75 million with a two, uh, with a 2024 club option. Uh, has Barnes, at this point, I, I mean, is it fair to just shed that label that maybe he had as somebody that you know couldn't be trusted as a full-time closer, uh, given what he's done this year? Yeah, and uh, count me among those who thought that maybe Adam Adovino was going to lead this team in saves, but we've never seen this version of Matt Barnes before. It's a career-best K rate so far, uh, 15 Ks per nine nearly, if you prefer that, 44.1% if you like K percentage, and the walk rate is down too. A 7.7% walk rate It's the best we've seen from him really in any full season in the bullpen. At least he's tracking toward that, at least getting 70 so 70 or so innings this year. Uh, good time to sign him to extension because I think he would have got maybe a three or four year deal had he hit the open market, given that he's got that potential to be at least a lockdown eighth inning guy at a bare minimum. Even those guys make the kind of money sometimes that Barnes got in this extension. So trust level much higher now that he has that longer term deal in Boston. 
Yeah, that does help, certainly in addition to the performance that we've seen from Barnes this year. And a lot of closer developments over the weekend. Uh, Heath Embry uh, getting saves in three out of four games. Didn't get the save for the Reds on Sunday. That went to Josh Osich, but obviously Embry unavailable after uh, all the work that he turned in uh, just prior to that. Uh, So... He's been discussed on on recent shows uh, here. I've talked about the fact that he's an extreme fly ball pitcher in an extreme home run park, and the stats kind of back that up for him. Uh, But is is that a concern that maybe we shouldn't give too much weight to? No, I I wouldn't wouldn't read too much into it. All right, well, go get him if he's out there, uh, if you've got uh, fab to do still before uh, play resumes later uh, this week. Uh, Chad Green... Came in for the Yankees in the ninth against the Astros. It did not go well. Uh, took the loss, gave up the uh, walk-off homer to Jose Altuve. And Araldis Chapman has not pitched since Tuesday. So how do we deal with this Yankees situation right now? This one's pretty complicated because I'm not convinced that Chad Green would be the sole replacement for Chapman if they weren't going to give him saves anymore. I feel like the Yankees would mix and match with the relievers they have. Uh, I know Jonathan Loisaga was unavailable this weekend. I think he could theoretically be in the mix there, although I think they like him for slightly longer outings. Uh, This is surprising, though, right? Because with Chapman, I don't think they've really come out and said anything specific. At least I didn't see or hear anything. So I know he's pitched poorly, but at the same time, I wonder if they're just giving him an opportunity for a prolonged stretch to not close out games, trying to get him right on the side, and then bringing him back into that role to begin the second half. If he continues to struggle, that they can go to Plan B or Plan C. Uh, but I don't, I don't know if he's officially lost the job only because they haven't actually said anything. Exactly. I mean, I think that's the way you're reading the situation is exactly the way that I've been reading it as well. With the break coming up, it makes sense that maybe it's just giving him a a spell and maybe we see him back in the role uh, back again this weekend. So we'll see how that plays out. And then of course the Phillies closer situation, that's been very messy for several weeks now. Ranger Suarez getting a seven out save at Boston on Sunday. So that that's consistent with his role, not necessarily getting a save, but pitching long relief. And for the most part doing it very, very effectively, but given the other alternatives in that Phillies bullpen, do you think we could see Suarez maybe in a more conventional closer role in the second half? It's possible. I, I wonder if they just feel like they need innings from him more than they need him to be the guy that steps up at the end of the game. Uh, I, I still think it's it's a mess with Alvarado, and they could always go back to Neris, Archie Bradley, Brandon Kinsler. Like more of those guys that I just named are true short relievers. So I think that's the thing working against Suarez. He's almost too good in the longer role right now to shorten him up and and use him in the ninth inning. All right. Well, let's uh, turn our attention to prospects here just for a moment because we have the Futures game on Sunday and uh, also the beginning of the MLB draft. And uh, Pirates kick things off by taking Henry Davis, catcher from uh, University of Louisville. Jack Leiter, not surprisingly, going right after that uh, to the Rangers. Kumar Rocker going to the Mets at number 10. That one surprised me. It seemed to surprise a lot of people that he went that late. Yeah, having uh, talked to Keith Law a few times on the Athletic Baseball Show about this draft class, that was probably about as far as Kumar Rocker could fall. I guess there were some concerns about how his season at Vanderbilt ended. And, and even his just the last season there in general, he wasn't quite as dominant as he'd been in his first two years there. So 
I, that's strange to me for sure. I, I thought there was a chance he'd go like as early as like fourth or fifth. I thought Boston maybe would just take him. But I also think there were some other surprises early in the first round that caused the dominoes to fall that way. Yeah, really interesting and interesting landing spot uh, for Kumar Rocker for sure. So uh, let's take a look at some of the standout performances on the final day of the first half. Pablo Lopez against Atlanta, striking out the first nine batters he faced. That's a major league record. Finished with just those nine strikeouts, uh, three runs allowed over six innings. Robbie Ray, seven shutout innings. At Tampa Bay, just one hit allowed, 11 strikeouts in a walk. So fantastic performance. Prior to that performance, Ray ranking just 31st among starters uh, in roto value. It surprised me that he didn't crack the top 20, much less the top 30. Uh, What do you see for him in the second half? Yeah, I wonder if part of that's just some of the obscene ratios that the elite of the elite pitchers have been putting up through the first half. I mean, a 313 and a 106 should be good enough to be a top 20 pitcher with ease, if not more. I think the fact that the walk rate has stayed down deep into the season makes me more confident in saying that he does have that skill. Uh, The home run rate is still a problem for what it's worth. He does have one skills flaw, but when you miss as many bats as he does and now you actually have control to go with it, that's a really exciting profile. I'm really curious to see where he's going in drafts in 2022 if these skills hold through the rest of the season. All right, let's take a look at a few of the hitting performances. David Fletcher, I think just note here that he's still hitting four hits in his last game of the first half. Also a home run, which is not the the usual for David Fletcher. So finishing the half uh, with a 309 average. Andrew Vaughn with a two-homer game at Baltimore. Adam Engel also with a nice game. He homered his fifth already of the season. He hasn't played much. A couple of hits for Engel. Uh, so what are your expectations for Vaughn in the second half? And is Engel somebody to keep our eyes on? You know, I think Vaughn is the kind of guy that because he didn't get a minor league season in 2020, he was making a lot of adjustments for the first time in the first half of this season and learned to play the outfield basically on the fly since the time that Eloy Jimenez got hurt in spring training. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the second half from Vaughn is a tick better than the first half. And his first half ended up being pretty good for those circumstances, a 110 or 112 WRC plus 10 homers, nothing wrong with that at all. 25% K rate, you know, for your first go round in the big leagues as a, a power sort of hitter, I think that's a solid player. It's not necessarily, you know, eye popping and the kind of guy that's going to be a fixture in shallow mixed leagues just yet, but I think he's on that sort of trajectory. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if uh, things continue to go in the right direction for him. And then Ingle, just real quick, I, I actually kind of like him. I think his glove's going to keep him on the field. He's got a few tools, and for at least the next few weeks, I think he's basically an everyday player for them since Adam Eaton was DFA'd. Let's just wind up here uh, anticipating the home run derby on Monday night. Uh, Anybody that you see as a favorite here? I think the betting favorite is Shohei Otani, and it's just interesting to me that he doesn't take the traditional BP. That just means he doesn't take grooved pitches before the game. He works on like a high-velocity machine or does something else that is better than BP, so... I don't know if that necessarily puts him at a disadvantage, but when I last looked at the odds, Juan Soto has to go up against Otani in the first round. He actually looked like a pretty good underdog if you wanted to kind of bet on a long shot and just get a guy that's fun to watch, right? I mean, Otani versus Soto, like one of those guys has to to go home after round one. That's that's pretty brutal. Um, if, If I were going to bet, I would definitely push more towards one of those long shots. I think Matt Olson also makes a lot of sense in this field as well. Yeah, I, I've just got a hunch about Olsen, but we'll see how that uh, that all plays out. So uh, 
Thank you for listening to us all throughout the first half half and on this episode, but that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. And if you do have an opportunity to rate and review the podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. So for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be right back here on Tuesday. Mm-hmm.